On today's episode of Sports and the World Football Edition, I'll give you my top college football team 15 through 11, pay or not pay Ezekiel Elliott, my LFL report and NFL teams 24 through 21. That's today on Sports in the World Football Edition. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you listen to us. More importantly, how you listen to us, whether it's through Anchor or Apple or Google Podcast. Thank you for making Sports in the World Football Edition a part of your day. I'm Ladarius Brown, and thank you for taking time out of your day for listening. And just before we get in, I do want to send our condolences for those in El Paso and Dayton to their families. And, you know, we'll talk about more on Friday's episode. But I want to send my thoughts and prayers to the families there. And with that, let's dive in. We're hitting the home stretch of my top 25 college football team. Now, if you've been counting, the team that's doing very well is the Big Ten. I have four teams coming out of the Big Ten. You know, so far, I have two in the SEC, two in the ACC, one in the AAC, and that's UCF. So, so far, I'm showing you two things. I'm very high on the Big 12 and their conference because I do believe that in terms of depth, in terms of how deep they are, that's where I can make that point where that's where the Big Ten has the edge on the, on the SEC. That's where they have the edge. But you'll see later on why I still think the SEC is slightly above the Big Ten. So, what's going to go ha- What's going to happen with 15 through 11? Well, here we go with number 15. I got Penn State. This is why I'm high on Penn State. Listen, they have great wide receivers. KJ Hamler... Johan Donson, Justin Short. Listen, James Franklin is offense. And and sometimes we didn't see that all the way. But I think this year you're going to see the offense expand, especially now they got deep threats on the edge. And that's to complement the running backs they have. Listen, Ricky Slade, he averaged 5.7 yards, he had six touchdowns. But you still got Journey Brown there as well. So their offense on the edge in the backfield but question mark to me is that quarterback Sean Clifford is no Trace McSorley and we saw that a lot last year Trace McSorley kept Penn State in a lot of football games can Sean Clifford he has a I could argue maybe a better arm than Trace McSorley I could make that argument but he can make plays but listen he has to play at a whole level for this Penn State team to get me to say okay we got to put them in the conversation to put them maybe to play for a big for a big 10 championship because see this is the problem that I feel they run across because listen and I always say this is that look they're in the big 10 east and there's about if you you can look at it and there, and there are three other good teams on this list. And I mentioned I mentioned Michigan State last year. 
not last year, last week, excuse me. And I'm going to mention the other two probably in the next two episodes. It's a very stacked division. And can they take that next level with Sean Clifford? Because defensively, they're great. Yetter Gross Matos, 20 tackles for loss. He was tied for ninth in the nation with eight sacks. He was tied for the he had eight sacks as well. And like I said, but the defense is going to be the key for me in Happy Valley. Because historically, I think Penn State, I think a great defense. Kind of like a linebacker. I think that defense, as great as James Franklin is offensively, this defense, because now you're relying on a quarterback who you're putting him in that position to replace a stud in Trace McSorley. You need a defense to help along. And there's going to be games where that defense has to come in clutch. You've got to rely on them a lot this year. Unless Sean Clifford just plays out of his mind, that defense will be the key. But once again, the question that I have is, can this Penn State team beat Ohio State or beat Michigan? Listen, we all remember that big win they had against Ohio State. Well, that was the last win they had because combined between Ohio State and Michigan, they're two and eight. And this is under James Franklin when he took over in 2014. And that, to me, is a very, very deep concern for me. It is that you got to beat those two teams. Once again, you'll see them laying on the list. But can... Because listen, here's, here's the challenge. You can beat maybe Ohio State, but the problem is you have to go to Ohio State. You gotta, you gotta, and then listen, you gotta go at Ohio State, but you got Michigan coming in. So the question is if you can beat one of those teams, it changes the landscape of the Big Ten. It creates conversation. It's like, well, wait a minute. They beat one of these teams, and if the other beats the other, we could be talking Penn State could be in the Big Ten Championship. We could be talking about But I said something similar with, with Michigan State is that, listen, Michigan State, if they can figure it out, the problem with the Big Ten is that they have to figure out things offensively. Because right now, we know how great they are defensively, but Penn State probably may be the better defense of the teams that I've talked about so far in terms of balance. So that's number 15. Number 14, we're going to go to the Pac-12 in Utah. And with Utah, I really like their defense. I really do. Got a lot of guys coming back. They were second last year in the Pac-12 in opposition points per game. They only give up about 14 points a game. And when I think of, you know, listen, all Americans, they got Bradley and I, Leaky Tito, John Penasini. That's a great front right there. Kyle Whittingham, who I'll talk about in a minute, that's the core of Utah football. That's the identity that Utah has. A great defense. Once again, it might be a common theme, quarterback. But in this case, uh, can he be healthy? Tyler Hundley, before he was hurt, had 1,788 yards, 12 touchdowns before he got hurt. He's healthy. Utah could be that team that can go, okay, if they can beat specific teams like a Washington, who we'll talk about 
probably next week. Not giving it away, folks. But keeping you to stay tuned. So, that to me is important. And listen, their special teams is a concern. It was a strength. They lost probably one of the better kickers in the nation in Matt Gay. He was 26 of 31 or 83.9%. They lost special teams. So if you can they had to go into the transfer portal, so they had to get a kicker. Listen, if they can be strong on special teams, once again, Utah is going to be, like I said, they're a 9-10 win football team. And Kyle Whittingham, listen, he's 11-2 in bowl games in 16 years at Utah. He wins. He wins. And, and that's why I say he doesn't get enough credit for that. Because he had to be the guy to replace Urban Meyer. Which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Especially at that time. And in essence, like I said, beat Washington. They're 1-6 versus Washington. And here's the thing in Utah. They're 34-38 versus the Pac-12. And if you take away the last maybe 3-4 years where they've been very good. When they came in, it was just a boy. But now Kyle Winningham is building a team opposite of what's going on in the Pac-12. And that's what I say. The Pac-12 is offense, offense. He's defense. And I think that's the identity. And that's why I'm very high on Utah. Number 13 is another Pac-12 team is Oregon. And the only reason why Oregon is here and why and Utah is not because Justin Herbert. Listen, he's a Heisman candidate guy. He came back to school. He foregoed the NFL draft. Listen, he he's responsible. He was responsible for 31 touchdowns. Threw over 3,000 yards passing, 29 touchdowns. Look, Oregon, we know great quarterbacks. You know, listen, Marcus Mariota, Joey Harrington. Listen, before we get to listen, great quarterbacks at Oregon. Is Justin Herbert is right up there. He could probably be better than both by the time he leaves Oregon. Oregon also has great running backs. We talk about Herbert, but listen. C.J. Verdell, Travis Dye, they combine for 2,141 yards combined in scrimmage yards. But what concerns me with Oregon is who is Justin Herbert going to throw the ball to? Dylan Mitchell left. Now you got Jalen Reed, who only averaged 11.4 yards per catch. So that to me is a concern. But here's the thing with Oregon. They have a great secondary. They had 17 interceptions. Listen, Javon Holland, Thomas Graham, and D. Kamore Lenore. Listen, they have a great secondary. Those dudes, we're talking NFL-esque dudes. That secondary is very good. But to me, my question mark is coaching. Mario Cristobal used to coach FIU. Listen, he's only had three winning seasons in eight years. And a lot of that had to do with coaching at FIU. I get that. But that's still a major concern. This is that. When it comes to critical decisions you need, coaching does matter. And can Mario Cristobal be that guy to take this team? Listen, you can have talent. We've seen in college where usually the the best team wins, but sometimes coaching becomes elevated 
especially in key moments because of decision-making. Because at the end of the day, they're still kids. So you need a coach to make the right call and push the right buttons. And that's my major concern for Oregon. Number 12, I got Texas. And when, you know, going back to Utah and Oregon, listen, they both got to beat Washington somehow. And for Texas, you would think, well, they got to beat Oklahoma, right? No, I think they got to beat Iowa State. Because I think Iowa State's a legit team. This is what I like about Texas. If Sam Ellinger is healthy, he could end up being a guy that when we talk about Justin Herbert, could be a not Heisman-esque quarterback. He could end up being a top five quarterback and help his stock. Because listen, he was seventh in touchdown responsible in 41, and he had 3,292 yards. If he stays healthy, Texas is very good. Once again, this is what I say when you let go of Charlie Strong and you bring in Tom Herman, that defense got worse. Don't have two returning starters, and the secondary is the key. They're throwing the, they're flying the ball around in the Big 12. So that secondary maybe have his work cut out for him. And there's talent at wide receiver with Colin Johnson, Devin DuVray, Josh Moore, Brennan Eagle. There's talent. Like I talked about earlier with Penn State. Listen, there's talent on the outside. There's talent. There's talent everywhere, especially at wide receiver. And they have great running backs. Over in Texas, well, you have Keontae Ingram, Jordan Whittingham, you know, 708 yards rushing. Listen, they got to run the football. You know, I may be saying things common, but they got to run the football. Here's the thing when I say with Texas is they got to beat, can they beat LSU? Listen, Tom Herman, he's 3 0 versus SEC teams. And here's the thing Texas is 95. 45 and 4 versus SEC schools. If they can beat LSU, that to me changes the conversation. And that to me, I, I didn't say 50 50 game because I do believe LSU can beat them. But if they can find a way to beat LSU, then we can have that conversation where I say, okay, you know, once again, because the only team that you have to really worry about is Oklahoma, who we'll talk about. See, now we're getting to that nitty-gritty of the team, where they have to be, are going to show up later on the list, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And lastly, and this is the team I hesitate to put here, but I say, well, I couldn't put them any higher. And that's Texas A&M. Let me tell you about Texas A&M. Now, every school that I read to you from Utah, 9-10 win team. Oregon, 9-10 win team. Texas, 9-10 win team. You know what Texas A&M? They're an 8 or 9 win team. But yet, I put them above those schools because it speaks to the toughness of the conference. Because listen, they listen, under Jimbo, they're recruiting. They were fourth in the SEC in recruiting this year. Kellen Mond, Jimbo official with quarterback, look what he did with Jameis Winston. Kellen Mond was, listen, through over 3,000 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, 
Also, he had 474 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Kellen Munza Jr. We know how great Jimbo is offensively. You can get this kid and elevate. Listen, they have a lot of big games. They have a lot of big games, people. A lot. Listen, they got to be at Clemson, at Georgia, at LSU. Look, here's the thing with Jimbo. He can turn around a program, 7-6 and six in his, you know, in 9 when he was with the year before he took over at Florida State. 10-4 and four the first year. Same thing I talked about with Scott Frost. Focus on the second year, and you'll see the turnaround. But here's the thing. They could be the most overrated team on my list because I'm I'm basically saying that Texas A&M, this is who I have them beating. Texas State, Lamar, Auburn, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas San Antonio, and South Carolina. And I'm losing to Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. So you take that for what it is. But I could be sitting there saying, listen, they could easily lose to South Carolina or Auburn. If Auburn shows up offensively, they could easily beat them. But that's my list, 15 through 11. But but next week, we're going to get into the top 10. And we're going to start 10 through 6. And you're going to see some familiarity. You might see some surprises. But it's all in great discussion. What we're going to discuss when we come back is a segment that hopefully will stick. Hopefully will be a work. It's Shakespeare in to pay or not to pay. And that's Zeke Elliott. And that's next on Sports and the World. Football edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World Football Edition. And if you're still listening to us, whether it's through Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, it is very well appreciated. Now, I want to talk about a segment that hopefully may or may not stick. And it's pay or not pay. And and this is basically a couple of people free agency who should they be paid or should you not pay them essentially and we lead off with Ezekiel Elliott first and foremost I really really like Zeke I really do and essentially he's not there he's not going to show up until he gets a new contract and Jerry you know if you read the reports he wants him there but I'm going to outline you know, some numbers, the contracts, and opinions, and some options. Then I'm going to tell you whether they should sign him, pay him, or not pay him, trade him, let him go. So, what I did was that I compared the five highest paid running backs now, and which is Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Excuse me, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, David Johnson, and LaShawn McCoy. And I compared them in categories rushing yards, 
yards per carry, scrimmage yards, touchdowns, fumbles, and average that out. And I did in there based on their first three seasons in the league because Zeke is a three-year bet. So, the leader in the clubhouse in rushing yards is Zeke. Also yards per carry and scrimmage yards. The only categories where he does not lead in, and this is important, where he does not have a lead in, is touchdowns. That goes to Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Will, and Fumble, which is the least amount of fumbles. In average, you average out all the numbers, Zeke comes to a 1.8, Todd Gurley a 2.2, LaShawn McCoy a 3. Devontae Freeman of 4, Le'Veon Bell 3.2, and David Johnson 4.6. So essentially, in the first three seasons of their respective careers, listen, Zeke Elliott has the best numbers. And when you look at the contracts of these dudes, Todd Gurley signed a four-year, $57 million deal. Le'Veon Bell signed a free agency with the Jets, four-year, $52.5 million deal. David Johnson with with the Arizona Cardinals, three years, thirty nine million. Devontae Freeman with my Falcons, a five year, forty one and a half million. Deshaun McCoy for the Buffalo for the Buffalo Bills, five years, forty million. So there are two things to take away: is that you see a lot of three, four years, only one three year deal, and that was the Arizona Cardinals with David Johnson. But, you know, the average years goes from $8 million all the way to $14.4. And that's, and that's where I think, how do we assess the value of Zeke Elliott? Because, you know, in those, you know, those contracts were thanks to the big leap. And then and the statistics came from football reference. So I want to quote Jerry Jones from, he, he was talking, he talked to CBS 11 Sports. You know, July 29th, he talked about Zeke Elliott. And this is a direct quote. He said, the point there is you don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. Emmett was the first to do it. That's one of the dilemmas at running back is that the team knows that you can win Super Bowls and not have the Emmett Smith back there or not have Zeke back there you know the, the league knows excuse me here's the thing he listen he paid Emmitt Smith let's be clear he paid him both of you are diehard football or cowboy fans you know Jerry paid he paid Emmitt and essentially when you say that you essentially you don't have to have a rushing champion well that's true because look teams that won the Super Bowl the last probably five years necessarily didn't have a rushing champion but my question mark is and I think Jerry is coming around to that point is that you know he reportedly wants to make Zeke Dak and Amari Cooper, the highest paid of their position. And, or, you know, I think top five, I believe is what he said. And that to me, we'll get to Dak next week. Here's the thing. If you're Jerry, 
This is what I say about the running back position. In the running back position, it's you have to do more than run the football. You have to be run. You have to be another receiver. You have to be a check down guy. And that's where I think where Zeke, listen, his first three seasons, he's got five thousand two hundred forty-seven scrimmage yards. Okay. In the first three seasons, he's better than the guys I mentioned. He's better than Gurley. He's better than Bell. He's better than Johnson. He's better than Freeman. He's better than McCoy. In their first three seasons. Those guys got contracts. Big contracts. And I'm not here to defend Ezekiel Elliott. But what I think could be taken out of context and what Jerry said to CBS 11 Sports is that he's not saying that he didn't say Zeke was not valuable. What he's saying is that you don't have to have a Zeke back there, meaning that you don't have to have a guy who leads the league in rushing. You need a guy who can be versatile. And that, to me, is important. Because, look, this, these are the options that I think the Dallas Cowboys have. You sign you sign to a Tar Gurley-like deal, maybe $13.5 million a year, because, you know, Gurley getting 14.4, I think he's He's right up there with Gurley and Bell, I think, of running back. So I have no problem with that. Or you trade him to Oakland for, you know, for Derek Carr as a draft pick. And people think that's not the worst thing in the world. Because, this is what I say, you see that quarterback class coming out next year. John Gruden may be like, hmm, if I can get a Justin Herbert or two weeks travel, you know, or get a Tua. You know, even you know if Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if he can come out. Could you know he could be like, okay, I can move on. Maybe get leverage and get you know get a running back for the future in Zeke. Or, and this is one that's pretty simple. You just bank on Alfred Morris and that Cowboys offensive line. And that's something Cowboys fans don't want to hear, and they shouldn't have to hear because it's it's, it's idiotic. In my case, you gotta sign him. You gotta pay him. Because, and when I get to Dak, I'm gonna make points here, but I'm gonna say that when you look at the offense with and without Zeke, you notice the difference. Because if, listen, this is what I say if the talent level or the play at that position does not have an impact without the key player there you don't pay him but if I just basically told you that when it comes to rushing he in his first three seasons he leads McCoy Freeman Bell Johnson and Gurley rushing yards yards per carry tied with McCoy there scrimmage yards the only category that he fell outside of the top two fumbles that's it. Listen, the downside to Zeke's case is that's the off-the-field stuff. Do you want to deal with that? Historically, if this was the Pittsburgh... Listen, that's why Le'Veon Bell, who we'll talk about maybe later, and hit, that's why he is with the Jets and not with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh said he ain't worth it. He's not worth it. Nothing off the field, but he wasn't worth the money to them. He let them go. 
but they got a James Conner. Alfred Morris is not James Conner. And simply put, if you can find another Zeke Elliott somewhere, great. But you got to pay him. And when I talk about Dak next week, it's going to be very conflictor. But you'll see how do I make a case for him or not. But simply here, you got to pay him. When, when, when Zeke is focused on the field, he's the best player on that field. He's better than Dak and he's better than Mark. That's not hyperbole, it's fact. And what's not hyperbole and what is a fact is that we'll be right back with my LFL report next here on Sports of the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World. If you're still listening to us, I truly do appreciate it. And on the social media, it's at Sports the World. For both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, there's a new Facebook page for Sports in the World where you can go to the About tab and get links to this episode and every episode of the Football Edition and the Friday Edition of Sports in the World. And also, I'll be sharing a video link where you can leave me messages and play it on the show. Feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, I'll play it, respond, and act accordingly. And with that, I want to dive into the LFL here. Listen, the game that I saw Saturday, and I tweeted about it. You know, listen, the acoustic won 33-26. And, you know, I you know I did say that Austin was going to win, but the closeness of this game, I just thought, you know, boy. And then when everybody got hurt, I think it was six starters out for the for the temptation. I thought, man, it, this, it was really closer than what I thought it was going to be. And listen, you know, my thing is that I question a lot of the coaching decisions. If you're, why was the Ferrari not starting for Mike Oliver in a game that you need to win? You needed to win this game. And you st- and listen, I understand, you know, home t- you know, I get it. But the person you put in only had four yards. And if it wasn't for the Ferrari, we could be having a different conversation today. And also, even on the LA side, why was it Mariah Lopez? Listen, and I understand in hindsight, I understand why they did put, I think it was this Holly District District, I'm gonna get butchered for it. You know, I understood why for, you know, you know, because of the stoutness and how tough she is. So I'm not really tough on that. But the Michael Oliveira and the Ferrari thing, that really got to me. And L.A. to me is going to be a tough out. Salerno, Lopez, Luck. And I could throw in Danielle Harvey, you know, Gaxiola. There's talent. On LA, listen. I said the weakness was was injuries and oh, and exceeding expectations, and that wasn't bad. Because I'm thinking, well, they're too hurt. But listen, they stayed close in this game. And listen, we're talking a couple of plays away could have went either way. 
But listen, the injury that meant Sherry Awab, Holly Jiskra, Jiskra, Marissa Lopez, Chelsea Hart, Nas Johnson. And at some point, Ashley Slender was knocked out of the game, but she came back. And listen, Austin's play, that secondary got burned. And listen, they got to be ready for Nashville, which we'll talk about later in a second. But overall, and, I, and I'll say it once and I'll say it again, buy your stock in the temptation. Buy your stock. I'm really high. This is a tough out. Because, listen, imagine if they can get, if they can get everybody back healthy. Listen, I look at L.A. and I go, because A, the game's being played in L.A. Essentially, it's a home game. You know, the acoustic, listen, in the same way the acoustic kind of exposed the mist, I think the same way the temptation kind of exposed the acoustic in a lot of factors. I think the acoustic kind of underestimated this. And Mike Oliver, you got to coach him up. Listen, I'm not saying that, you know, temptation, you know, Roy Jerry, and, you know, and Hunt, you know, that they exactly, you know, my thing is, is that when you're an elite team, you got to beat the team. Listen, this was too, the game was too close. It was a very good game to watch. And I was on Instagram store following actually Salerno following the temptation. And they were just looking at that game. And you can look at it. They're going to figure it out. Because to me, Ashley Slander, probably unpopular opinion, she may be the best quarterback in the NFL. She may be. I'm not saying, but she may be. Well, speaking of playoff implications, week 15, you can see on the LFL YouTube channel, as Lindsey Burst and the, excuse me, in Omaha Heart head to to see Listen, Dina Wojowski and the Atlanta Steam, you can catch that Saturday, August 10th or 8 p.m. on the LFL YouTube channel. I don't happen. I just kind of blanked out. I apologize. I just, I guess I was thinking like, man, I really screwed up. I underestimated the temptation. I was like, man. Because when I said it, I said, man, I just really, you know, I guess I'm really high on the stock there. But I do want to talk about week 16, acoustic at the Knights. Listen. Simple and straightforward. Listen, I think it's the Knights' run game versus the Austin defensive line. Listen, the Knights' run game, they're last in rushing versus the team that's fourth against the run. That's an easily exposable matchup if, and once again, I said it's a weakness, can a run game show up? And, and listen, Austin secondary versus the Knights' receivers. Listen, did you know that the, the Austin secondary... Is first in pass, but did you also know that the Knights were second in the receiver in receiving? Bree Mosley, don't listen. There's talent. Listen, the one thing that I won't say bad about the National Knights is their talent. You know that's why I'm high on Molly Richardson. I'm very high in the upper now. But this is the key: the Knights' defensive line versus the Austin run game. Listen. The Austin could just run the ball because the Knights, they're sixth in rushing. And that to me is a concern. And listen, I'm quarter listen, we Michelle Angel is better than Molly Richardson. That's not a knock on Molly. But listen, 
Simply put, if Austin does not blow out the Nashville Knights, and listen, if this game, listen, I got the winning 47 to 13, this is how I feel you should listen. It's the same way I feel about what I feel when the Knights played the Blitz. Why was that game close? Why was it close? And I understand that the Blitz on the back end of the season, you know, you know, trying to have, you know, avoid an 0-4 season. But listen, Nashville may get blown out of the water, and, he, and the question becomes, do you start resting people in the second half? And I do believe it might get to that point. And then right now, like I said, my playoff picture, I got the acoustic that rematch against the temptation. I got the mist in the steam. Simply put, don't sleep on the LA temptation. If they get healthy Sherry Walker, Marissa Lopez in the second, Chelsea Hart at tight end, Nas Johnson in the backfield to pair with Mariah Lopez. That game is going to be good because it's in LA. Home field matters in sports. But more importantly, it matters. And we've seen that. It matters. Specific to certain teams. This Temptation team could, I'm just saying, I'm not going to predict now. I'm going to let it play out. But listen, all I'm saying is that if Sherry Awaga, Discra, I'm going to get butchered for that. But Marissa Lopez, Hart, if they can get healthy in the backfield, healthy in the secondary, why not? And like I say, for the Mist, they listen. What that game against the what that game against the Acoustic showed me, they listen. They're gonna have a tough, tough time if they do not have a healthy Alley Alberts. Period. That game once again, with, even without Alley Alberts, you should have beat the Acoustic. You did. This is the same thing I said about <laughs> the same thing I'm saying now. Listen. It felt like deja vu, like this acoustic team went on the road, heavy underdog, and beat the Mist. And it almost turned out the same way. The Temptation could have been on the road and could have upset the up, could have been the underdog and beat the acoustic. So be cautious and be careful. So next week, I'm going to break down the Hard and Steam game. We'll talk about the Knights. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about the LFL award ceremony. We're going to talk about it all. So be prepared for that. And be prepared next as I give you my top NFL teams. And we're going to go from 24 to 21. That's next here on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports in the World football edition and if you stuck with me this long I truly do appreciate it and once again thank you all so much for listening once again social media at sports the world on twitter and instagram and sports in the world facebook page is up go to the about tab and listen to this episode and many more as well now when I dive into this list my top NFL team. One of the things we're at this point where I feel there's gonna be one or two teams that I'm I really like. There's gonna be one that I I'm in the middle, and one that I think is gonna be a sleeper. 
and you're gonna you're gonna hear when I talk about it, and I'll, when I get there, I'll explain why I feel the way that I feel. And after this list, and after this, after the next episode, I should say, we're just gonna we're gonna go to the top. I'm just gonna do the top eight teams remaining. After this, after this list, it's gonna be 20 through 17. So when we get to the top 16. We're just going to break down two segments each where in the list and then the final so we can get into another, you know, squeezing another couple of top lists as well. So with that, let's dive into this list at number 24, the Detroit Lions. And my, of course, five words, my five words for them is there's no pride <laughs> in these Lions. And... This is what this is the thing. I like Matt Stafford. Did you know that Matt Stafford is third among active quarterbacks in pass yards per game? He's third. People tend to like listen. Matt Stafford's not been the problem for Detroit. You know, I don't want him to end up feeling the same way that Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson did. And be like, you know, when I'm done, because he's not the problem the same way Barry Sanders wasn't the problem. And Calvin Johnson wasn't the problem. That you don't put talent around. Hopefully they can figure it out. And then they drafted another the tight end, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, eighth overall. You could argue there were more needs. But listen, they want a drunk like guy. Matt Patricia's the head coach. So I think that he can block, he can run, he can do things. He's Gronk esque. He's not Gronk. But that's why they drafted me. I really like it. And also, the defense is at an upward trend. Listen, they were 10th in total yards allowed last season. Now, see, in 2017, they were 27. So they got better. That's what I will say about, you know, that's what I will say. The defense is going upward. And I think that's a, that's a testament to Matt Patricia. Now, here's the thing. They still can't run the ball. on Johnson or Kenyon Johnson, excuse me, 641 yards. The last 1,000-yard rusher for the Detroit Lions was Reggie Bush. That was in 2013. The last 1,000-yard rusher this franchise had. Here's the thing. Draft-wise, I think they reached for the linebacker in the second line. If they would have got a defensive end or a corner, I'm not saying that Jelani Tavai is not a great linebacker, but there are concerns about bases, you know, of what I've read and what I've seen. Listen, there's coverage, and there's some, there's some issues there. And I said, well, there were better players there. And also, the talent just isn't there on the defensive line. There are no double-digit sack seasons on this roster. That, there's none. It's the same thing I talked about when I talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks last week. Listen, he, he couldn't get to the quarterback. To be fair, nobody in Detroit Lions could get to the quarterback. Ezekiel Ansah couldn't get to the You know, the point is, is that there's none on this roster. And that's a deep concern because I do believe they're in a division where, look, Matt Stafford is going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game because they got no run game. And at number 23, thinking of teams with concerns, 
the Tennessee Titans. And my five words for them, singing the blues in Nashville. Listen, I like Derek Henry. Excuse me, Derek Henry. He had, you know, 1,158 yards from scrimmage. You know, listen, Derek Henry from Alabama, listen, he had a great year. And also, listen, that defense, they were eighth in yards allowed and third in points allowed. Look, this defense is very good under Mike Rabel. You got Malcolm Butler. You got Jarrell Casey. Listen, Tennessee and defense is not the issue. And we'll get to the crux of the issue and my weaknesses. But also, I like they drafted A.J. Brown, their second-round pick out of Ole Miss. Listen, wide receiving core is bad. We'll talk about that. I think he will be a much-needed bonus. And speaking, going to weaknesses, Marcus Mariota's health. I'm going to read to you off of USA Today. You know, from Henry McKenna. You know, these are some of what he dealt with, injury-wise last season. He dealt with a ulnar nerve issue, which gave him a tingly throwing hand. He suffered a neck stinger against the Colts in week 11 and re-injured it in week 16 against the Redskins. That second instance was why he couldn't play in week 17. He sustained a cracked vertebrae, a vertebra. His plantar, plantar fascia had a significant tear during the season which escalated to a full tear in week 16, strained oblique, broken rib, and a sprained AC shoulder joint. But listen, he only missed three games. And the elbow issue knocked him out of two games. The stinger kept him out of week 17. So, and I could argue if he was healthy, Tennessee could have been in the playoffs. But his health is a concern. So when you get a Ryan Tannehill who just was coming off a shoulder injury, so that's the insurance, and that could be a legit that could be a legit competition. So that's my concern. And here's the thing: the yardage. They had 5.3 yards per play. That was 23rd in the NFL. They were 25th in yards per game. Yards per game. Listen, I told you, offensively they're bad. They're bad. And listen, that may have a lot to do with Marcus Murder not being there. But here's the thing. They have a below average receiving core. You take away A.J. Brown. He hasn't played a down in the NFL. Dylan Lewis, the running back, was third in receiving by 66 yards. He could have been the second leading receiver on this team. That's a running back. That's bad. That's pretty bad. And once again... That's a concern offensively. And once again, I'm not in love with Detroit. Tennessee, I I like because the defense. The offense, but I really, really love their, I really like their defense. Number 22, a team that I'm telling you I'm really high on, the New York Jets. And I'm telling you, my five words, Sam Darnold got a bell. He's going to be ringing it a lot. Listen, lay me on bell. Listen, this team was 26th in rushing 
Isaiah Corolla only had 685 yards. And that's who was the leading rusher last season. Le'Veon Bell brings that dynamic. Listen, I know what happened in Pittsburgh. I get it. But when he was on the field in Pittsburgh, numbers don't lie. People lie. Things lie. Numbers don't. But listen. Because, like I say, in his first three seasons, listen. Listen, he was second in, he's second in yards per carry. Listen. He gets you touchdowns. He doesn't fumble the football. So, my number one thing is, is that you upgrade it. It's a clear upgrade. He upgraded defensively with Greg Williams. Listen, they got a new defensive scheme. They went away from the 3-4. They had under Rex Ryan, they had someone who I really like, Todd Bowles. They moved away. And listen, listen, in Cleveland, under Greg Williams, they were second in takeaways. They were second. I love Greg Williams when he was with the Saints. You get rid of that bounty game thing. But Greg Williams is a great defensive mind. Probably one of the better, probably a top five coordinator in this league. He understands defense. He brought in a guy who, who can be a leader of that defense. And that, my friends, is Greg Williams. And that kind of leads me into Quinnen Williams. Listen, their third overall pick. Listen, he could have been the best overall prospect in this draft in a lot of people's eyes. He's, he, he fits that 4-3 scheme. Listen, Nick Saban and, and Alabama defensive line, perfect fit. Perfect scheme, the perfect fit. This is one of the reasons why I'm high. Also, the fact they signed C.J. Mosley. They signed a lot of pieces of defense. Marcus May, we're not Jamal. Listen, people, buy your stock in the Jets. Buy stock. This is, but listen, they have some weaknesses. A pass rush between Leonard Williams, a guy of USC who I really like, and Henry Anderson, also a defensive lineman, twelve sacks combined. So my concern is that can they get to the quarter? Leonard Williams had five, and Henry Anderson had seven. They got to get to the quarterback, and then this 4-3 scheme will help them. And listen, Adam Gates. Listen, Adam Gates. These are his offensive ranks in the three years he coached the Miami Dolphins. So, 24th, 25th, 31st. And you left Mike McCarthy on the board. Somebody who's coached. Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy understands quarterbacks. He understands offense. And you, when you could have got him, you settle for Gase, a guy who once again, 24th, 25th, and 31st. And that's in order. From the three-year tenure he had there. That's who you thought was better than Mike McCarthy. And honestly, my question is, can they take the step needed for Darnold. And listen, this is what I say. They're a sleeper team. Listen, the one thing that I couldn't argue with the Jets about when I said is that, listen, there's talent. You know, Todd Bowles a good dude, but, you know, in a we're in a league of offense. You bring in Gates. When they, listen, I'm not going to get in that again. But the point is, is that 
I really like, listen, I'm telling you. Mind you that there are going to be three other teams better than them. I have ranked. But, but you know, excuse me, two other teams. Because you saw I put the Miami Dolphins at. But my point here is, there's a third best team in there. And they could easily be that second best team. Maybe there's pieces there, and I'm really high on that. I, I really am. Buyers talking the Jets. And lastly, at number 21, I got the Carolina Panthers. And my five words for them is simply this. Riverboat Ron needs an ace. He needs an ace, and that's Cam Newton. He needs Cam Newton to play, and we'll get to Cam Newton in a minute. But this is what I really like about Carolina Panthers. Look, I like Ron Rivera. He's consistent. 71 and 56. He has got 56% of his games, three straight NFC South card. That's a very tough division. And that division, and listen, my Falcons are there. That's a, one of the toughest, if not the toughest division in football. It's been the last maybe three, four, five years. And he won three straight NFC South titles. Took this team to a Super Bowl. I really like Ron Rivera. But you know what? Christian McCaffrey, sixth in rushing. He was first in receiving on the team. With And listen, from yard from scrimmage, he had 1,965 yards. Christian McCaffrey, listen, the dude can flat out play. And a team that has no receivers, he was the guy. He played this, the same way that Deion Lewis did, kind of, for the Tennessee Titans. Where, listen, the, the receiving core is not great, so somebody has to step up. And the running back did. And here's the thing. Brian Burns, I really like him coming out of Florida State. I know it's blasphemy to say that. I'm a Gator guy. But he, he, he gives that edge really. You know, no Julius Pepper, so you needed someone off the edge. And I think drafting him, you know, Ron Rivera, defensive-minded guy, can get him focused. But this is this this is the problem that I've always had with the Carolina Panthers. And listen, it's Cam Newton. He's 24th among active quarterbacks in completion percentage, 59.7. You know who's ahead of him? And mind you, there are guys who play, you know shorter time frame, but these are the guys who played the same amount of years as Cam Newton who's ahead of him. Sam Bradford, 62.5%. Case Keenum, 62%. Nick Foles, 61.6%. Those dudes have a better completion percentage career than Cam Newton. He can't complete passes. And this just wasn't a day, you know, this issue didn't come up last year, two years ago. This is an issue since he's been in the league. And I say, the only guy and the only outlier who came out of college who didn't throw 60% was Matt Ryan. And he was around here, but Matt Ryan got better. Cam Newton didn't. And getting exposed. You can't throw the ball. Because you don't have receivers, and I get that. But of course, you couldn't get it to him. And here's the thing. You got to replace Thomas Davis. Three-time Pro Bowler. He was an all-pro guy. And there's questions at linebacker. Can Shaq Thompson step up and be that guy and be that leader on defense 
you know, with Luke Keekley, you know, so these are, you know, that's a question mark there. And lastly, look, can they bounce back? They were one in seven to end the season. And we can argue about who do we blame, but once again, Cam was a little hurt. I think the wheels kind of fell off. And, and people will say, was Ron Rivera's job in jeopardy? In my opinion, it's not. Because listen, I'm very high on, listen, what he's had to deal with, He's had to deal with Cam Newton. A guy who, listen, uber talented, but he can't throw 60%. So, I... This is the one team where I'm just right in the middle. Remember I told you, there's there's one I'm going to like. There's one I'm going to love. I like Tennessee's defense. I'm really high on the Jets. And, the, you know, the, the Lions... But the one team I'm like, ha, ah, is, is the care. Cam Newton needs to start throwing the ball in a more proficient manner. And I think Carolina Panther fans understand. I'm not trying to say it out of hyperbole. I'm saying it because, look, he's 24th among active quarterbacks. How in the hell does Sam Bradford, who, who can't, who's never been healthy, have a better career completion percentage than that some Nick Foles does. Case Keenum does. To, you know, those guys are journeyman quarterback and they have a better record than you. A better record of being completing passes. I had to catch myself. I apologize. They have a better record of completing passes. There's a track record. It's better. You know, before I... Before, so to recap, before... Before I slip and say something that, you know, may get me censored, I got the Lions at 24, the Titans at 23, the Jets at 22, and the Panthers at 21. So next week, once again, we're going to go 20. We're going to go. Tw- we're going to kind of, we're going to go 20 to 6 to 17. We're going to stick to that. And then after that, so the next episode after next week, we're just going to go 8-8 eight, eight, to, to kind of fast forward the process and to get to the crux, to get to the nitty gritty really quick. So with that being said, that's Sports in the World Football Edition for this week. I thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And I hope to enjoy your time once again on Friday. Have a great day.